when you and I are being tempted that we can come boldly to the throne of grace where we can find mercy and grace to do what? To help us in our time of need. This morning, the title of my message is this, Hope Has a Rope. Hope Has a Rope. As I was preparing this week for the message today, I was doing some studying and I was reading a book. And in this book, I read about the nation of Spain and how that early in Spain's history, their motto was this. Their motto was ne plus ultra, which means nothing more beyond. You could also pronounce it ne plus ultra. Nothing more beyond. And the reason why this was their motto is because they felt like that there was nothing beyond the pinnacle of Hercules and, or the pillars of Hercules and that there was nothing beyond the strength of Gibraltar. And so their motto became, nay plus ultra, nothing more beyond. In other words, there's nothing more to explore. There's nothing more to discover. We've seen it all. We've done it all. We've experienced it all, and there's nothing more beyond. And that was their motto until Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And when Columbus sailed the ocean blue, they realized that there is still more to explore. And there is still more beyond. And so they changed their motto from ne plus ultra to plus ultra which just simply means more beyond. If you get a Spanish coin, a minted Spanish coin, on every minted Spanish coin is this motto, plus ultra, meaning more beyond. Here's what they did. They took the nay away. What I want to encourage you to do here this morning is I want to encourage you to take the nay away from your life. Because let's face it, there are some people here this morning under the sound of my voice, your motto has been nay plus ultra, nothing more beyond. You think you've seen it all, you think you've experienced it all, you think you've heard it all, you think that you've done it all, and you think that there's nothing more to explore, especially when it comes to your relationship with God. Some of you perhaps are in circumstances today that are so dark that you can't see beyond your circumstances. And you think that I'm just going to be in this pain for the rest of my life. I'm going to be in this struggle for the rest of my life. I'm going to be in this situation for the rest of my life. But I'm encouraging you today with the help of the Holy Spirit today, I'm encouraging you take the nay away. There is more beyond. As a matter of fact, and you've heard me say this a few, th- few times over the last few weeks, and that is the best is yet to come for you and for me. Why don't you just look at your neighbor and encourage them this morning and let them know that the best is yet to come. 
You see, the nation of Israel got to a place once where they were living by this motto, ne plus ultra, nothing more beyond. They were captives to Babylon. And they thought that they were going to spend the rest of their lives as slaves, the rest of their lives as captives in Babylon. But God showed up and God took the nail away in Jeremiah 29 and 11 when he says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God took the nay away. I love what Proverbs says in Proverbs 23 and 18. And this is speaking about the death of believers. That there is surely a future hope for you. And your hope will not be cut off. Do you know what that means? That means that even death cannot take your hope away. And that means that even when somebody close to you who was a follower of Christ, when they pass on, you still can hold on to your hope because the Scripture says your hope will not be cut off. And then listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 6. And here's where I want to speak to you for just a few minutes this morning. The writer of Hebrews says, we have this hope. Now, what hope is he talking about? You go back and read the few scriptures before this, and you read about where God gave Abraham the promise of a son and that he was to name the son Isaac. Well, when God gave the promise to Abraham, it was 25 years before the promise became a reality. How many of you are in a waiting season right now? That God has made you a promise, but the promise has not yet materialized. Well, that's what was happening with Abraham. But the Bible tells us that even though he was not seeing the promise come to pass, that he hoped against hope. Even when he looked at his body and saw that his body was as good as dead, like there's no way at this age of my life that I could ever produce a child. He hoped against hope. Why? Because he had a promise from God. But when you read those few scriptures prior to this, it also says that he didn't just have a promise, he also had an oath. He had a promise and he had an oath. He had a promise and he had a covenant. Can I tell you what you have this morning? You have a promise and you have a covenant. You have a promise and you have an oath from God. And do you know what the Bible says about God? The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. That's why I can wait with hope. Because even though it hasn't happened yet, I know it's going to happen. And the reason I know it's going to happen is because of who said it. It wasn't just anybody who gave me this promise. It was God who cannot lie that gave me a promise and gave me an oath. And so because God gave me a promise and God gave me an oath, I can stand steadfast and sure on the foundation of his word that even though I haven't seen it materialize yet, it is still going to happen. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. So he said, we have this hope. And notice what he said about this hope. He said, it's an anchor. It is an anchor. And and we know what an anchor is. An anchor is something that holds us steadfast, that keeps us from moving. 
even when we're in a storm. Now, let me tell you what an anchor does not mean. It does not mean you will not have storms. There's a reason you need an anchor. You need an anchor because you are going to encounter some storms in this life. But if your anchor is the Word of God, then no matter what storm you face, no matter what kind of storm you are going through, the wind may move your boat a little bit. Yeah, and the waves may feel like, make you feel like that the ship is going to get capsized. But because your hope is in the Word of God. I love the old song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is shifting sand. All other ground is shifting sand. And notice what he says about this hope. He said, we have this hope that God is going to do what he said he would do. And we know it's going to happen because God cannot lie. It's his very nature and character to do what he says he's going to do. And we have this hope as an anchor for what? For the soul. Because it's our soul that gets troubled in times of storm. Our mind, our will, our emotions. That gets troubled in the time of storm, but we have an anchor for the soul. And notice, it keeps us firm and secure. And then notice what it says about this hope, this anchor. It says that it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, talking about the Old Testament tabernacle, but now talking about the tabernacle in heaven. How that only once a year the high priest was able to go into the most holy place behind the veil. But the Bible said that when Jesus died, that the veil was torn in two. And that's what he's talking about here. It talks about that our hope, the anchor, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain or behind the veil where our forerunner, and who is the forerunner? He tells us, Jesus. And a forerunner is just somebody who goes ahead of us to prepare the way for the rest of us. Do you remember what Hebrews chapter 4 says? Hebrews chapter 4 says that we do not have a high priest who cannot be moved by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in always tempted just like you and I, so that when you and I are being tempted, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, where we can find mercy and grace to do what? To help us in our time of need. So Jesus has already gone before us, has entered on on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. In other words, Christ has already gone to heaven before us. And not only has he gone to heaven before us, which means that those of us who are his followers will follow him into heaven. That's a good point right there because Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that if we don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and if we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, then our faith is futile. Our faith is in vain. And we of all men and women have no hope whatsoever. You do understand that what we're about to celebrate here in a few weeks is the 
foundation of our hope that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then you can't believe anything else the Word of God says, but He did rise from the dead. And the Bible said that He was the first fruits of them that slept. In other words, He was the first, but there's more to follow. Those who are His followers, those who are in Christ, we will also be raised from the dead. We will also be given a glorified body, and we will also spend eternity with God the Father in heaven. This is our hope as an anchor for our souls. And it says this, that Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, what is Jesus doing on a continual basis? He's interceding for us. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. So that no matter what I'm going through in this life, no matter how difficult it is, my hope is firmly attached to Christ, his word in heaven, knowing that he's praying for me and knowing that the promises of God will be fulfilled because God can't lie. Look at this next passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. The title of the message today, as I said, is that hope has a rope. Because an anchor's not any good if it doesn't have a rope or a chain attached to it. You know, you, I've been on a boat before where I had an anchor and forgot to attach the anchor and threw the anchor overboard. And you know what happened? I continued to drift. An anchor is no good if it's not connected to something. An anchor needs a rope. An anchor needs a chain attached to it. And here's what I believe that the rope of hope is. I believe that the rope of hope is faith. I believe that faith is what connects us to the Word of God. Did you hear what I just said? I believe that faith is the currency, not money, but faith is the currency of heaven. That if you need anything from God that he's promised in his word, you receive it how? By faith. And the same writer of Hebrews said this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance just simply means a foundation. In other words, my faith gives me a place to stand, a firm place to stand while I'm waiting confidently and patiently for God to do what God says he's going to do. And my foundation is sure and my foundation is steadfast. But notice he goes on and says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now listen, there's a lot of things that I believe that I haven't seen. How about some of you? Is there any of you here today that believe some things that you haven't seen? Absolutely. God has given you some promises of some things that you haven't seen yet. But that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Faith is the evidence. Where does my evidence come from? My evidence comes from the Word of God and from the character of God. From God's track record. And let me just tell you this morning, God's got a good track record. 
And his word has a good track record. The Bible tells us his word never fails. And that his word will never return to us void. And so I have the word of God. And listen to me now, just in case you want. I'm not just talking about your Bible, your written word. I'm talking about the spoken word. And I'm not just talking about the spoken word of God. I'm talking about who the word of God is. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So when we talk about word, we're not just talking about words written on a piece of paper, even though they are inspired of the Holy Spirit. We're not just talking about spoken words. We're talking about a person. We're talking about Jesus. And so he says that the substance of things hoped for, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And my evidence is the word of God, that God has always done what he said he was going to do, and he'll continue to do what he says he's going to do. And my evidence is I see the miracles that God has performed throughout history. My evidence is I see prophecy that has been fulfilled throughout history over and over and over and over again. I've got all the evidence that I need to help me believe what I have not yet seen. Let me tell you why I believe in heaven. Because the Bible teaches about heaven. I've never seen heaven. I'm not one of those kind of folks, you know, that died and went to heaven. Or had an out-of-body experience and got a vision of heaven. Like the Apostle Paul did, and maybe even like some of you have. I've never seen it. But listen, I know it exists. Because the Word of God tells me it exists. Get this one. I've never seen God. I've seen manifestations of God. I've seen the manifestation of his presence. But as far as seeing God face to face, oh, I wish I could, but the Bible says we can't and survive it. But one day I will. One day I will see him face to face and the Bible says that then I will be just like him. But you know what? That doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. Just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So faith is the substance of those things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 and three, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Everything that came into being came into being because God spoke it, it was his word. And he said everything came into existence through the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. All God had to do was just speak his word. It's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. When a Roman centurion comes to Jesus and says, listen, my daughter's about to die. And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to come to your house and pray for her. And you know what he said? He said, you don't have to come to my house and pray for her. All you got to do is speak the word. And when you speak your word, I know that there is power. I know that you are one with authority. And when you speak your word, it's just your word that's going to make the difference. The word. And my faith is in the word of God. The words of God. Now listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 25. When the storms of life come, notice, it didn't say if the storms of life come. When, everybody say when. Because I know there's some folks saying, Pastor, why are you preaching a series like this? My life's good right now. I don't know what you're talking about. 
I've not experienced any significant loss in my life. I've never had any major health issues. I've never been laid off or fired from a job. I don't really need this. Yes, you do. You need to be in training right now for trials that you haven't faced yet. And if you have the word of God in your heart, then when you are in a difficult situation, then you're able to stand upon that word that's already in your heart. So you need to go ahead and train for the trial. I don't, I don't mean to sound negative and pessimistic, but you, but you will have trials. The Bible warns us of that over and over again. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. And when the storms come and the winds blow, the godly can stay standing because of the foundation that they're standing on. Now, if we're not careful, we can get slack in the line of hope, in the rope of hope. Let me just give you a couple of things before we leave this morning. And I understand you Auburn fans. I know 120, 120, you play at 120. I get that. I feel you. I'm one of you. 120, but I'm not worried about that. All I'm worried about is the word that God wants to go forth right now. Amen? How do we keep the rope of hope tight? Number one, you've got to know this. Heaven is nearer than it seems. Oh, I wish everybody could just get a hold of this. When Jesus came here to this earth, first thing he said was this. He said, the kingdom of God is near. It's not far away from you. It's near. I love, I love Acts chapter 7, and the, and the scripture that's going to come up says Acts chapter 8. It's really Acts chapter 7. I made a boo-boo there. It's Acts chapter 7. But in Acts chapter 7, a guy by the name of Stephen has been brought before the Sanhedrin. He's been falsely accused. They have hired witness to come in to testify against him, to lie against him. And as he's standing before the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin questions him, and he... He gives them a message, a synopsis of the Old Testament in one chapter. And evidently, he preached with such conviction. Those guys on the Sanhedrin got so angry that the Bible says that they were gnashing their teeth at him. And in that moment, Stephen knew, I'm about to leave here. They're about to kill me. My life's about to end. But listen to what he says. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now listen, he's not died yet. They haven't even started stoning him yet. But what was the key? Notice, full of the Holy Spirit, he saw. He was able to see with spiritual eyes what natural physical eyes could not see. And notice, he didn't say, man, I'm about to have to take a million mile journey from here to heaven. It's going to take me a little while. It's going to be a long journey. No, he looked up and he said, I see heaven heaven open and I see the son of man standing at the right hand of God those of you who are here this morning who have lost loved ones I want you to know this if you've lost them by way of death people who are followers of Jesus Christ I want you to know that before they ever left this earth here's what I believe I believe that God gave them the ability by his grace and by his mercy to see heaven open and the son of man standing there and to encourage them of the fact 
fact that heaven is not far away. Heaven is near. The Bible even says it like this in 2 Corinthians 4, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm telling you, the moment you die, your spirit leaves this old earthly tent and this old earthly body and immediately, not later, not after a period of rest, but immediately, your spirit goes to spend eternity with God the Father. Heaven is so much nearer than we think it is. Somebody thank God for heaven this morning. Amen. Here's the second thing. you got to daily illuminate your heart with truth. Biggest mistake we can ever make is if we start walking by sight and not by faith. Because when we walk by sight and not by faith, we're going to allow darkness to get into our hearts. And so we've got to daily illuminate our hearts with God's word. Listen, listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 119. He said, your word's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. In other words, the word of God illuminates. It gives light. It eliminates the darkness in our hearts. I love this passage of scripture in Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, because David was going through a difficult time. He was going through a time when he was being chased. His father-in-law was trying to kill him. His, a few of his children had already died very tragic deaths. He's going through a very painful time. And just before this, he says, I'm, my, my heart would have failed me. My heart would have gotten weary. My heart would have worn out. But then he said, I illuminated my heart with the truth of God's word. And he said, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And I don't know what you've hid in your heart, but whatever you've hid in your heart, when you're going through difficult times, it's going to come out. It's like toothpaste. When you squeeze it, whatever is inside, when it's squeezed, it's going to come out. And when you're squeezed, when you're going through trials, when you're going through tests, when you're going through difficult times, whatever's on the inside of you is going to come out of you. And if you've put the word of God on the inside of you, then when you're going through difficult times, the word of God's going to come out of you. And if you put the songs of God in your heart, then when you're going through a difficult time, the songs of God is going to come out of you. That's why, that's why Paul and Silas at the midnight hour when they were going through one of the most difficult times in their life in prison, when it was at the worst moment at midnight, the Bible said they praised and they sang praises unto God. Illuminate your heart heart on a daily basis. Talk to yourself. Sing to yourself. Nobody else may like your voice, but you like your voice. God loves your voice. God loves your song. Here's a third thing. I can't express how important this is. Assemble with God's people. I need you and you need me. We are in this together. But if we're not careful, what happens is when we're going through a very painful time in our life, a difficult time in our life, we isolate. We stay to ourselves. We don't want to be around anybody. We don't want anybody to be around us. But hear me, we need each other. The Bible tells us in Psalm 92 and 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. If a tornado comes or a hurricane comes, one tree standing all by itself don't stand much of a chance. But you take a forest of trees whose roots are all connected together, 
And those trees can withstand the storm that they're up against. You see, we got to stick together, folks. We need each other, especially when we're going through difficult times. Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And he's just saying that the closer we get to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more weary the saints of God are going to become. And when we come together, we need to come together for the purpose of encouraging one another. You can do this. Hang in there. Don't quit. Don't give up. Which brings me to the last point this morning, and that is sometimes you just got to hold on. It just ain't nothing else you can do but just hold on. I'm going to make a statement here. If you hadn't written anything else down, I want you to write this down. But when you're going through a storm in your life, when you're going through a difficulty, a painful situation in life, don't give up what you know for what you don't know. I want to repeat that. Don't give up what you know for what you don't know. Because one thing we don't know most of the time is why. God, why did you allow this? Why did you allow this to happen in my life? Why did you allow me to lose my job? Why did you allow the divorce? Why did you allow my loved one to be taken prematurely? Why? And see, there's so many questions we don't have answers for. But there are some things we do know. And that is we know about the character of God. That regardless of our circumstances, He is good. He's good. He's faithful. He's loving. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's kind. So don't trade what you do know for what you don't. Here's what Job did. He didn't know why he was going through everything he was going through. Lost everything he had, including his children, everything. But this was his response in Job chapter 13, verse 15. He said, though he slay me yet, I'll trust him. I wonder how many of us have become that mature in our faith. That when God is testing us, when God is allowing us to be put through trials, I wonder how many of us could stand and say, though he slay me, yet I'm going to hold on. I'm going to trust him. And then another time in, in, in the book of Job, he says this. He said, because here's what I know. I know that when the skin worms have destroyed my body, He said, yet in my flesh, I shall see God. Yet in my glorified body, even then, he was hoping for a promise to be fulfilled. And his hope got him through the suffering. His hope got him through the testing. Sometimes all you can do is just hold on. Pastor, I can't even get through an hour without pain. I can't even get through a day. I can't get through a week. I can't get through a month. You're telling me now I've got to go years, five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years? Listen, you have permission to be in pain. But don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Hold on. Because here's what I know. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, 
He increases their strength. Even young people shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I know I've ended every one of these messages the same way, but listen to me. The Holy Spirit will give you the power you need to not just get through it, but to soar through it. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.